You're listening to episode 67, brought to you by HelloFresh and Care.com. For $30 off your first week of HelloFresh, go to HelloFresh.com slash CTL30 and enter the code CTL30. And for 30% off a Care.com premium membership, visit Care.com slash Lovely. Cultivating the Lovely, the podcast for real moms who are seeking Jesus, trying to live their roles well, and working to add a little bit more loveliness to their life, even in just the little moments. I'm your host, Mackenzie Coppa Monroe from CultivatingTheLovely.com and Bull Turquoise across pretty much all social media. And today we have a super fun guest who I've been wanting to have on the show for a really long time. It is Anne Bogle. And today we got to talk about the bookish life, how her reading life really developed her blog, and then and eventually her podcast as well, inside information on how it can actually be really difficult to do literary matchmaking for people, and just some other fun banter that we got to have. It was so fun getting to talk to Anne, and I'm hoping that you will enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed getting to record it. But before that, I wanted to let you know some things that are going on with Patreon right now. We've got things going on over the summer, like a book club of Dr. Sandra Dalton Smith's book, Sacred Rest. We'll also continue to have the What Ingrid and Fiona-like podcast weekly coming out and have our live video chats where lately we've been talking about things like planners and power sheets and looking forward to summer and just fun chit chatty things like we used to do with the morning show. It's been so fun to be able to get in there and chat with you ladies. I just love being able to do live video and I'm hoping to be able to incorporate more of that as we move into the fall when we're also going to be releasing lots of new spicy fun things for the Patreon community. So if you want to get in there and be a part of that really inside membership, you can go to patreon.com forward slash cultivating the lovely. And I really do have to send out just a very heartfelt, genuine thanks to those of you who are my loyal patrons. You guys keep the lights on around here. Podcasting isn't free, and it's also the way that I try to make my income to support my family. And I so deeply appreciate each and every one of you who've committed to not only being a patron, but really being an inside member of this little community who I can just be really real with and raw with, and I am so grateful for each and every one of you. So thank you to you ladies who are already a part of it, and thank you to any of you who decide to become a part of it. I truly appreciate you and hope to be bringing you even more fun things as we move into the future. All right, enough of all that. Let's get on to this episode with Anne because it's a really fun one. Welcome, Anne. Thank you for having me. I am so excited to have you on the show. It's always kind of been, you know, you have those people you you want to have on, but you're like, oh, well, will I even get a response back from their people? And when <laughs> I did, I was like, no way. I'm so excited. So thank well, you for coming on. It's mutual. Thank you for having me. Um, would you like to introduce yourself to my listeners who don't know who you are? So we can start with like the hard stuff. Sure. Um, <laughs> I'm a writer. I live in Louisville, Kentucky with my four kids in Yellow Lab and have a little, what's the word you just use? Oh, internally, we, we maintain our, our personal Pemberley with the book club and the, the blog and the books I'm writing and I'm sure other stuff I'm forgetting, but it's all centered on helping readers get more out of their reading lives and out of the rest of their lives as well. Oh, because you're nichified. Is that what you mean? 
<laughs> yes. Said, I, I think you're fabulously nichified. And so I want to hit on that more in the show. But I mean, I'm sure most people have heard of modern Mrs. Darcy because you are just kind of you're everywhere I look and probably because I've surrounded myself with you, but you're in my podcast app. And every time I open my email, I have, it seems like I have something from you, but not in an annoying way. It's like great stuff. Your Kindle deals email every morning gets me into trouble. And then I love your end of the week emails where you talk about the best stuff you found on the internet. It's just a I'm so used to getting just kind of the same thing from a lot of other people. So I, I always look forward to your emails, which is a high compliment. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, because it's, it's hard to do well. So you've done a really good job. And your summer reading series, I mean, obviously, I've, I think that you have really impacted my reading life for the last few years, really, and specifically because of the podcast, helped me find some of my what have become my favorite books in genres that I wouldn't have expected and really helped me to realize like oh this might be my favorite genre that I never would have touched before because I didn't even realize it was out there so I love that about the what should I read next podcast and it's just so much fun because all your different guests it's fun to be able to relate to different people that you have on and you kind of know going into it, like, oh, I'm really going to, I'm going to like the books that you recommend for this person because I really resonate with them. Or like, oh, this is really different, but still fun to listen to. So it's a, it's a great formulaic show. I love it. That's great to hear. Thank you. Yeah. So I want to talk about all of that. But first, I would love to get kind of the backstory from you on how this went from just I love reading to... I am in all these different reading circles and touching everything from podcasts to email to blogging to how did that all happen? Well, you know, funnily enough, it didn't start as something with a big emphasis on books and reading. It was there because I'm a huge reader, but that wasn't the original vision or intention. But we started with the blog. The blog came first and it grew out of just a conversation I had with my husband around New Year's like seven plus years ago now. I can't believe how long it's been. Yeah. Cause I felt like I was so young and that it was baby blog and I was way too late because everybody else had already started. Yeah. I was going to say, I would have thought it would have been actually longer ago because of, I feel like the impact that you have, I I was expecting you to say like 12 years ago or something, but that's (laughs) impressive that it was only like seven. No, I definitely felt like behind the curve. And, but I also love how you're saying that it was only seven years ago. Because for a long time, I felt like, I don't know anything. I'm brand new. Like, I just started this. Yeah. And then real quickly tipped towards, you should probably have a clue what's going on by now, Anne. Oh. Um, but like so many women, I had a, I had kids. I had mm-hmm. a baby at that point and a part-time job. I was working part-time only, but I just really didn't have anything in my life that was for me. And Mm -hmm. I, in hindsight, I can see like I was casting about for a creative outlet, though at the time I never could have told you, this is what I'm trying to accomplish here. And ended up starting a blog when my husband recommended like, Hey, that would be really great for you. And I was like, what are you talking about? I do not even read blogs. Like what's a blog (laughs) again? So, but that was the beginning of what's become a really fun journey. Yeah. And I mean, it's just really expanded from there. When did you feel like you realized, okay, this is like really resonating with people? That's an interesting question. At the time, it felt like forever. But I don't I I think it was within a couple of months because the Internet was so I mean, it was similar then. And I know a lot of people are saying now in 2018, blogging is dead. And I don't feel like 
instead in my circles. Like I still really love it and seek, seek out other bloggers who are doing like the fun personal kind of thing that Mm -hmm. really drew me into that world when I first started exploring it. But, um, when I was looking to let people know that, Hey, this existed because that's the big obstacle to any kind of written work, whether you're writing a book or you're writing a blog is just people knowing it exists. So I left a lot of comments and I, um, got a Twitter account eventually, which felt like this big, scary thing, like, Ooh, social media. But, um, just in hearing from just getting ready to know these new friends I had on the internet and hearing them like talk about something I wrote, even though they're in California or Oklahoma or Connecticut Mm -hmm. and just hearing feedback and, you know, blog comments were really, really big back in the day. And it was really fun then to hear in that format, like, Oh, Hey, I'm here. I'm reading. And this is really fun because, and this is a lot of the comments, Mackenzie is a lot of the comments where I don't have people in my life who like to talk about this stuff. So I'm so happy to find your blog. And I felt the same thing when I read so many of their blogs and it was just, it was fun to discover. I tapped into this hidden world. I didn't know existed on the internet. Yeah. That's something that's actually been a pretty common theme on the podcast lately of us talking about community and really you know I think that online community is often like oh that's not real you're not getting the real connection but it really is the place that you oftentimes find the people that you have the most in common with and I really believe there's something to that and something very gratifying about being able to talk about people who really understand the same hobbies or interests that you have and sometimes that takes you know getting in touch with someone all the way across the country Yes. And at first it felt really, really weird. Like the first time I started meeting people, this sounds silly to say in 2018, but in 2011, (laughs) like when I first started meeting people that I previously only known online, it felt like, is this okay to do this? This feels really weird. Like explaining to say my mom, what I was doing that weekend was felt really, really funny, but now I've gotten used to it. But I have really loved how, um, and I hear this from other of my readers too, is that when you find people to talk about the things that you sought out on the internet because you didn't feel like you had them in your real life, the mm-hmm. conversations are so enjoyable. You end up having them with your, you know, the friends that you like meet for actual physical coffee, yeah. like in your zip code. Um, and it's so funny to me to find out that my readers will say things like, I just assumed that nobody else was as book crazy as I was. But when I mentioned I read this great thing on the internet or I saw this book list, they go, oh my gosh, you're into that too? So that's been really gratifying to hear. And then some people I met on the internet have become my actual in-person friends. So I love how seven years later, those boundaries that used to be like very cleanly demarcated, like online and Mm -hmm. offline have gotten all like muddled in a really nice way. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I was just interviewing Sarah McKenzie earlier this week who actually lives in my town. She's my friend. Oh, does she really? Yeah. And so it was so funny. I was saying, oh, I'm, you know, I'm going to talk with Anne on Friday. She's like, oh, I just had lunch with her. I was like, (laughs) ah. I think that the internet has done such a good job of making the world feel smaller. Like you really, my best friend I met online and she lives in Arkansas and we talk every day on Marco Polo and I, I love how those kinds of things have really helped break down those barriers to be able to have those kinds of friendships. Yes. And that's a great story. And I, I love that. That's something I've heard over and over again, that you are not that like the internet can really bring people into your life who, um, Oh, you know, you just feel like you're meant to be together. Yeah. And it's weird that you feel like you have so much to owe to Twitter or the blogosphere, yes. but you really do. Yeah. And it really helps like even break down those walls. I mean, I, I, 
I, it's kind of like those degrees of separation they used to say with Kevin Bacon. It's like, how many degrees of separation am I from Ann Bogle? Like, okay, well, I have, I know Sarah and I know Erin Odom, you know, she's, I don't know if you realize she's a co-host on Cultivating the Lovely. So she's on every month. And we so, had your live coffee in Davidson back in the fall. So that was lovely. Yes. Cause so, you guys had books yeah. come out right around the same time. Right. Yeah, we did. And that took me to her area. So, so when, fun. when I found out I was going to be 20 minutes away from her, I thought, Oh, we have got to make yeah. something happen because we, yes, our due dates were initially, and this is book due dates, not yes. baby due dates <laughs> uh, on the same day. So we really bonded over that. Yeah. We have the same. And then she got pregnant and her due date moved, but the friendship remained intact. That's fun. That's so great. That Yeah, it's so fun to be able to actually meet people in real life where, like you were saying, when I first started, because I actually started blogging, not well, mind you, but blogging <laughs> back in 2007. So, I mean, that was really in the, the early days of blogging. And a lot of those people... Yeah, it's crazy. But it wasn't until like three years ago that things started taking off kind of in a different direction because I did a daily morning Periscope show and then it led to the podcast and, you know, all that kind of craziness. But back then it was like unheard of that you would actually meet your other blogging friends in person. And now I've met so many of them. And I even went to the Wild and Free conference last fall. And it was just like a plethora of people. Like I was bumping into people that I've met online that I didn't even know were going to be there. And it was just so much fun. I've gotten to meet almost all of my co-hosts. Aaron's the only one we haven't actually met in person. But I have three co-hosts a month on the podcast and I've gotten to meet them all in person even Leah Bowden who's from England (laughs) like I just would have never expected that that actually happened and it's been so gratifying to bring those relationships into real life yeah so anyway that was a little tangent about (laughs) online relationships but it is funny because it keeps coming up with almost everyone I talk to lately just what a prevalent theme that is in our all of our lives So, okay, I want to talk for a second about your wonderful podcast because it's truly addictive. I think a lot of it has to do with the formulaic quality of it. I love that you've brought in more, like, I think because you said you were just going to keep it really formulaic in the beginning, but now you've brought in more of the conversation at the beginning. Yes, yeah, that's true. Because originally it was really going to be a 20-minute podcast once a week. Yeah, yeah. And I I love that you've brought in more of the backstory. That's really fun to kind of flesh out than what people's choices are and everything. And it kind of, this is going to sound like a really weird comparison, <laughs> but in some ways it reminds me of Phineas and Ferb. <laughs> okay. Have you ever I'm sorry seen to that cartoon? It. I have never seen Phineas and Ferb. Ferb. I okay. mean, my kids had tons of things that they loved to watch, but that was not one of them. Okay. Well, my yeah. son, when he was little, was addicted to Phineas and Ferb. And I do have to sadly credit it for, like, why he knows what classical music is. <laughs> because he'd be like, I learned that from Phineas and Ferb. Like, oh, such a failure as a homeschool mom. <laughs> That's where he lived. <laughs> but he actually, I from watching all of that with him or hearing it in the background, it's a very formulaic show. Like, it always follows these same basic guidelines, but every episode is a little bit different. And it, it still makes it so fun to watch. I think there's that anticipation because you kind of know what's coming, but there's still the mystery of how it's all completely going to pan out. And 
it make I yours is one of those podcasts I just can't miss because you just never know what's going to come up or like what books are going to be similar to other people's books or I just think you've done such a good job of that. All right, ladies, one of our favorite sponsors is back this week to support the show, and it's HelloFresh. Now, if you don't know what HelloFresh is, it's a meal kit delivery service that shops, plans, and delivers step-by-step recipes and pre-measured ingredients so you can just cook, eat, and enjoy. Now, I want to tell you a little bit about my experience with HelloFresh. Now, you guys probably know that I'm a big meal planner. I love to have a really solid meal plan in place and know what my family is eating. It's the question I least like to have lingering over my head is, what are we eating for dinner? Well, with the season of life that I have been in, so many things have been up in the air, and it's really hard to find the time to put together a solid meal plan and then also find the time to do all of the shopping and the prep necessary. But with HelloFresh, they take that headache away from me. They do all of the planning for me and they deliver it straight to my door so I don't even have to go to the grocery store. And best of all, I really love this part. It's something silly and small, but they package all of the different meals into these bags with pre-measured ingredients. So it makes it so much easier for me to just pop a bag out of the fridge, pull out all the ingredients and get everything done. It really takes a lot of the decision fatigue out of it for me and I'm so grateful for this service. Plus, it's helped my kids to kind of eat things that they wouldn't normally eat because we already have the ingredients, so I just go ahead and make the meals. So far, our favorite meal has been meatloaf a la mom. It was so great, and I love that they even put simple things into the recipe, like making them into smaller meatloaves so they cooked more quickly so I wasn't spending all night in the kitchen. They're really looking out for your back with HelloFresh. They've got wonderful, fresh, responsibly obtained ingredients, easy-to-follow instructions, and being a subscriber allows you to really cut that headache out of each and every week by just knowing that your food is going to show up at your door. So if you want to get out of a recipe rut or find new things that your kids are really going to love but wouldn't try otherwise, or you just want to simplify your life, you can get $30 off your first week of HelloFresh by visiting HelloFresh.com CTL30 and entering the code CTL30. Again, that's $30 off your first week of HelloFresh. Just go to HelloFresh.com CTL30 and enter the code CTL30. For years now, since I started blogging in 2011, and very quickly, I realized that talking about books was my favorite thing. Yeah. Not not reviews. I still don't like doing traditional reviews. Mm-hmm. Although if anyone from the New York Times is listening, like I'll think about it. <laughs> but but I don't if enjoy doing the regular reviews. If anyone from the reviews. New York Times is listening, I know. I know I'm right? gonna feel really great about this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a podcaster's dream, right? Yeah. So. But I loved talking about books, like uh, especially drawing connections between weird stuff and talking about um, my highlights from my reading experiences or sharing like, hey, I read this book three months ago and these are the four things I'm still thinking about. So very quickly, the content did become more bookish than I had originally intended when we first Mm -hmm. conceived the idea. So since I do blog about books, I get requests all the time from people um, in real life or on social media that would say like, hey, I need something to read. Can you just tell me a great book? Mm-hmm. And I mean, no, I really <laughs> can't. Like, because my very favorite book of all time could be something that like made you fall asleep yawning, yeah. like with drool, like dribbling down your face. That's disgusting. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, but you know, like I could tell you like the classic books that are leather bound that you can buy that are really expensive American literature. Cause sometimes when people say they believe in reading great books, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. 
But mostly they're talking about the kind of book that's going to make you stay up till two o'clock in the morning because yeah. you just can't sleep until you know how these character stories play out. And I can't, I can't just, I can tell you what I liked, but I can't tell you what you like without hearing some more about your reading life. Mm -hmm. What do you love? What do you hate? What kind of characters draw you in? What are your deal breakers? Because lots of readers don't want to read books about um, adultery or that use certain words or about people wrongfully accused or about mm -hmm. terrible things happening to children. You know, they just don't want to go there. Yeah. But, or they've just read like 14 love stories in a row. And if they have to read another one, they are going to hurl that thing across the room. But yeah. like, I need some more information. So what I did was on a whim one weekend, I put up this post that said, hey, let's try something new. And I explained the predicament and said, but if you do want book recommendations, just leave a comment that tells me three books you love, one book you hate and what you're reading now. And I'll take these a few at a time and I'll make some personal recommendations for you. And we got a big response from that. I um, bet. Yeah. So there were like 200 comments in a day and I had to wow. close up. I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. I'll do my best. I'll do my best. So I started tackling those a few at a time on the blog and realized very quickly, this was a lot of fun, especially because I knew so many names from reading blog comments or sure. I knew these people in my actual town. And so that was lots of fun yeah. and it helped because I knew a little bit about them, but I found myself wanting to um, follow up with these people and say, Ooh, I think I have a perfect book for you, but have you read it? It seems like you should have read it. It's so perfect for you. It seems like you should have found it by now. Yeah. Or I have an idea that you're either going to totally love or totally hate. And will you just tell me like how you're feeling about it before I like really try to recommend it to you? Yeah. But it's not fun to have like a 14 email chain to yeah. give somebody a recommendation. I just found myself wishing that we could discuss these things in person. Yeah. And about the same time, I was thinking, wouldn't it be fun to start a podcast? And it took me a really long time to realize those were the same idea. Mm -hmm. And that's how What Should I Read Next was born. Yeah, I love that. And I was actually, I was thinking about or talking about this with Sarah just this week because I have, I'm coming out with two new podcasts in the fall. I feel a little bit like a crazy person. But that's exciting. Yes, it is. And they're very much born out of my own needs, like things I was wanting to offer my kids. So the one podcast is just like, it's like an on the way to school podcast where they'll listen to like the Bible verses we're wanting to memorize and poetry. And then I'm going to have kind of like an attachment to that where each day they will listen to one chapter from a classic children's novel and I'm going to do the audiobooks. So they'll just be available on the podcast. And then there's going to be a podcast called The Yellow Brick Road because we're starting with The Wizard of Oz. And uh -huh. it's going to take it just deeper and show how we're actually like using this in our family and kind of reestablishing our family because we've been through a lot of upheaval in the last year. But really how it started was that same kind of way of just like, I really want this for my, for my kids because we're no longer going to be homeschoolers and we have been all along and I still want to be involved in their lives. So what if I just record something so they can listen to it in the car? Well... If they want to listen to it, maybe other moms will want to listen to it, you know? And I, so I'm hoping, it, hopefully it'll catch on like yours did. But I, I love that it's born out of that. Just like, you just wanted to have those conversations and why not record them? Yes. Yes. Those are great podcast reads. Also, I love the idea of the on the way to school podcast. I've seen a couple recently that are tied to daily routines, mm -hmm. like the like my kids love Chompers, which is two minutes morning oh, and I've night, never even so you can that. brush your teeth. Oh, that's like, a great idea, right? It's a great idea. An on the way to school podcast is a great idea. 
I'm yeah. I hope so. We'll see. It's and it's fun for me because of being a voiceover actor and like, oh, this is a great chance for me to actually do some audiobooks and stuff. Like, how fun! But so really, it's just like, oh, I really want to do this. Hopefully, people will like it. You know, we'll see. <laughs> but but it, it, nonetheless, at least my kids will get something out of it. So that's for sure. That's what it's fun for. You know, I think they'll they'll enjoy it. Hopefully, so. Okay, you've done this great job of having this niche market and really setting yourself up well there. And I think that's why I was so surprised when your book came out last fall and I was thinking, oh, okay, one more thing in her niche. It's about people who read. No, it's not about people who read. It's about reading people's personalities. And I was so intrigued by that, I thought you did a fabulous job of it, but what helped you to kind of break out of your usual niche to do something on the topic of personality? I think this is so funny too, because I have a book coming out about the reading life in September, <laughs> which is, which is more like yeah. back in my wheelhouse. Yeah. Um, it's funny though, cause they're not really that different in my mind. And I would be, I hadn't really thought about this before, but I would imagine people who are avid readers are more likely to read about personality, but yeah. you're right. Like it was a surprise to a lot of people. Like, isn't she going to write something about like Elizabeth Bennett? Wouldn't that yeah. be more? Well, and brand? especially cause it was called reading people. And so I thought it was about reading like people who read <laughs> maybe like, in oh. 10 years. We'll have a reading people. Maybe we'll have people who read with yes. a totally different subtitle. <laughs> yes, that would be Same fabulous. song, very different verse. Yeah. Well, I think this goes back to something I really, really love about the reading life. One of the things that most keeps me coming back to pick up books again and again and again and again is how they let you experience the world from a totally different point of view. Mm -hmm. um, you can enter a different time, a different place. You can see the world through a different set of eyes. Um, you can borrow somebody else's life yeah. for 300 pages. And in that same way, I really love the personality frameworks. And by that, I mean, um, the systems of mm -hmm. thought, the models for understanding personality, like the Myers-Briggs type indicator or the Enneagram or the five love languages or the Clifton strengths finder, because they let you do the same thing by explaining yeah. how these different factors influence your personality, how you solve problems, how you relate to others, how you see the world. Mm -hmm. It really lets you do the same thing that a good novel or sometimes to a lesser extent, a good nonfiction book let you do. And that yeah. is understand what it might be like to be yeah. in that situation, to be that kind of person, to have that kind of relationship. Yeah. I, I, we talk about Myers-Briggs, especially a lot on this show and a little bit of the strengths finder and, and that kind of thing. And really reading your book, I realized I, at the time I had taken the strengths finder test a few years ago and couldn't remember exactly what all of my things were. I knew one of them because I really didn't like it. <laughs> but, but then I, Funny how that sticks. I know, but then I went back and I was like, okay, well, what are exactly my strengths? And I realized the input is like my number two, which made so much sense when you talked about it. I think it was in your book. I don't, I don't think it was on a podcast. I think it was in your book. I listened to you on audiobook as well. So the two cross over <laughs> pretty well. Um, but you were saying like, it was either you or a friend that realized like, oh, that's why reading yeah. is so important yeah. because mm -hmm. input is so high. And so I love making those correlations. And it's also been really fun on the CTL podcast to see with the new co-hosts that I brought in this year, three of the four of us are ENFPs. And so it's been fun to see 
how we're similar and how we're different because we may be ENFPs, but we don't all have the same Enneagram and we don't, you know, so it's like you're still individual and you still have those differences, even though you're like, oh, you're an ENFP too. We must get this about each other. And then there's still things we don't get about each other. Right, right, right. It's not like you're all red M&Ms and totally yeah. replaceable because you already have, you know, those in your candy dish yes. just to go with a totally weird metaphor. Yes. I love it though. It works perfectly. So I think though, this is just, this is my, what I'm gathering. You do a really good job of kind of analyzing the under themes that people are talking about when they're finding their books and, you know, telling you what they like and they don't like. I think you do a really good job of kind of seeing past the surface of that. But I'm wondering how much personality typing plays into how you pick books for people. That's interesting. You know, so when I am choosing books for people, I'm not looking so much at like, hmm, where are they on the Enneagram? Like that's, although I do love it when guests come on and they're like, I just want to say that I really relate to you because we're both nines. Or if you're going to understand me, I really want to say just shorthand, easy way to do it. ISTJ right here. Yeah. Um, And that does help. So, so I don't rely on those existing novels, but I'm trying really hard when I talk to a reader to identify their taste. What are they drawn to? Mm -hmm. Um, what are their, like, what's their sweet spot and why? And that's, that's hard to tease out because just like with, um, properly identifying your personality type, it can be really hard to tease out when you're doing a a self-assessment, especially Mm -hmm. the difference between what you're like and what you wish you were like, or what you're trying to be like, it can be really hard to tell the difference. So sometimes Mm -hmm. telling the readers, they say, well, I currently read this, but I want to read this. It, it took me probably 30 episodes to figure out sometimes that's like saying, um, you know, like, well, I have my feet are 11 wide, like I am tall mm-hmm. and that has its benefits, but it also has its drawbacks and that yeah. it's needing enormous shoes. Yeah. So, but like sometimes I'll talk to people on the show and they'll be like, oh, well, I just wish I loved books about history. I want to read more of those. And that's kind of like saying for some people, I wish. OK, that's a bad example because I'm sure we could find them some good books about history no yeah. matter what the taste was. Sure. But but they'll say things like, oh, I wish I could read more books about archaeology. It's kind of like wishing that you were a size four shoe, you know, yeah. that you could like stop in the children's section. Yeah. So yeah. it did take me a while to figure out that there's a difference between what's really going to make you happy and what you wished would make you happy. Yes. And I do the same thing. Mm -hmm. Well, I see it played out. There's this really ridiculous TV show that I watch called Married at First Sight. And they literally like put these people through personality tests and everything. And then they ask them, what are you looking for in a spouse? And then they find what they think is the perfect match. And they have them get married at first sight and test it out for eight weeks. And so many of the people, they're like, well, I wanted this, but now that I have it, I'm realizing that's not really what I wanted. <laughs> it's like, yeah, <laughs> you don't really know. It can't just be like what you're hoping for. It has to be what will really work for your personality type, which may not be what you think it will be. So it's really interesting to watch play out. And I can see that same sort of thing, as ridiculous as this comparison is with trying to make book recommendations to people. That's really funny about this show because it sounds like what it does is highlight something that we all experience in uh, less dramatic ways in our lives every (laughs) day, which is what we think will make us happy isn't always the thing that makes us happy. Like we don't, we don't know what we want or we think we know what we want and then we get it and we're like, "Uh," you know, it sounded good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Whoops. I guess this wasn't what I really wanted. Right, right, right. At least you're not married. 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, that's (laughs) that's a whole nother topic you just (laughs) broached right there. (laughs) But we'll save that for another show. Um, Okay. Anyhow, so I think you do a really good job of that. But in the midst of okay, you're doing all of these things. You've got the podcast. You've got the blog. You're writing books. How does that actually play out? in the day-to-day for you? Like, what does your daily life look like? Because I've heard you read, like, books about creators' routines and everything. I do. I love them. I'm so curious about yours. It's a sickness. Um, Well, mine is always shifting. And with, okay, so I feel like there's so many factors at play in determining what someone is going to do with their lives at any given moment in time. So, I have a family, um, you know, so right now my kids are in school, Mm -hmm. but when summer comes, we're going to need to like rethink what is working for us. And right now I am not on book deadline. I am in a different stage with several different long-term projects and several different short-term projects. And that makes a real difference in how my calendar is set up. Um, Cause I feel like at any moment in time, my answer to this question would be very different, but the main way I'm working right now is I'm scheduling my calendar in blocks of the important things I need to do every week. And what I'm trying to do is assure my, you know, my monkey mind that, that there is time to do the things I am committed to doing and yeah. it's okay, you know? Yeah. Friday at noon, it's okay to not freak out that I have this deadline coming up because that time is budgeted for. And the way I break that up is I have um, big blocks of time for uh, like long-term primarily writing projects. Okay. I have times blocked out to podcast. Uh, and these are just examples of the different kinds of work I do. Like sure. it, it would be okay if I, I still think that you could relate to it even if you don't have like yeah. a microphone sitting by your yeah. computer. But basically, I have times broken out for like big long term. I need my brain to be working. I want my coffee next to me, creative projects. And I have smaller times broken down for um, more like tasks, like when to do email and when to pay the bills and when to make phone calls because I'm an INF, I'm an introvert. Like I don't like making phone calls. It is not me my either. love language. Yeah, it's not an actual appropriate usage of Chapman's love languages, but everybody yeah. probably knew that. Yeah. Um, Which and- is so interesting that both of us as podcasters we can sit here and do this, but man, ask me to call and order a pizza and I would rather crawl <laughs> under the couch. Like, no, thank Even you. Even as an ENFP. Yeah. Yep. That makes me feel a little better. Well, the most introverted of the extroverts. Yes. And I yeah. definitely see that in myself. And like, I mean, put me on a stage. I will do whatever. But the the smaller group stuff is much harder for me. Yeah. Well, and you know, when you call to talk to that pizza guy, he really would get in trouble if you started having a real conversation, yeah. like connecting his people. So yeah. like, I could totally see you thinking, what's the point? Yeah. And first, yeah. this is like very revealing about my personality, but I think some of it is like, I'm not in control of the situation. Like if mm-hmm. I were working at the pizza parlor, answering the phone, I would have no trouble doing that. But being the one to call and feel like I might not have the right answers or... Yeah, it just makes me nervous. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. 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 Well, it's good to know that about yourself. And it's not, I don't know. I think we're all so self-conscious sometimes about what we need because mm-hmm. it feels like weird or fussy to us. But everybody has those things they need. And lots of yeah. people listening are like, what? I totally do that. Is that bad? Yeah. Wait, so it's fine. Yeah. 
ladies, I want to tell you about a brand new sponsor for the podcast this week, and that's Care.com. Now, if you aren't familiar with Care.com, they are the world's largest digital marketplace for finding and managing family care. Now, what kind of family care are we talking about? We're talking about nannies, babysitters, housekeepers, dog walkers, senior care, tutors, errand runners, everything you could possibly looking for to help you simplify your life. And this year, we've been talking a lot about self-care and helping us with the things that we need to keep our lives running without getting burnt out. And while I think that Care.com is the perfect place for us moms, to be able to go to find someone reliable because I don't know about you I end up turning to family and friends a lot but they aren't always available but it scares me to sign up with somebody to come watch my kids who I've never met before. I love with care.com that they offer a plethora of background checks with the premium membership so that you can make sure you're getting someone who not only has the qualifications that they say they do but has been completely checked out and you know is safe and reliable. Plus care.com takes it one step further in making life simpler because because you can even book and pay for all of your services right through their app or online in one place. I think that just takes a lot of the awkwardness also out of hiring someone to help you. Plus their app and their website are really easy to navigate. I felt like they had thought of the questions that I might forget to ask myself and made sure that I had very customized help for exactly what I was looking for. I'm looking forward to using care.com this fall to help me out and I think that you would really like to use them too. We could all use a little de-stressing and extra help in our lives. So you can join for free as a basic member and start searching for your local caregivers. But if you want to upgrade to the premium membership so that you can actually reach out to them, schedule interviews, and even book and pay for your care online or through the app, you can get 30% off that premium membership by going to care.com lovely. Again, you can get 30% off your premium membership by going to care.com lovely. Anyway, go on with your day. Sorry. <laughs> Little tangent. Okay. So I'm trying to think about like specifics because that's what's most interesting, right? Yeah. Uh, of course. I'm going to hound you. Okay. So yesterday was typical in the sense that no days are typical, I guess. Yeah. Um, I had a daughter leaving for a camping trip. Oh, wow. So yeah. So um, I've been going to 6 a.m. workouts out like classes outside the house. Okay. So I woke up at 520, made some coffee. I've been banging out three pesky emails um, before I leave home for that. That's just wow. been a good time of day to. Yeah. Yeah. But it's so freeing. Like I get excited about it because I know like I have the time to do that in the morning and they're not necessarily like people I don't want to talk to or anything. It's just that I never find there's a good time to do email. Yeah. So at 5.30 when I feel like my brain isn't quite working yet and not quite awake and I'm not like begrudging the time that I could be sinking into like serious deep work. Yeah. Um, I've started banging out a few emails early in the morning and it feels really good to just cross that off the list before I'm like hardly even awake. So I've been coming home and yesterday there was a little extra time getting my daughter off to her camping trip with school and um, usually I get everybody out the door and then usually I come back and I settle down for my focused work like first thing in the morning or okay. first thing after, you know, the workout and the kids and the coffee and all that. Yeah. But, um, yesterday I recorded a podcast because it suited a friend's schedule better. So we recorded a podcast for the first hour and then I did a big chunk of writing. 
I did some like tasky things. Like I needed to record the narration for our Tuesday podcast because that comes out every Tuesday. And then I have an old sports injury and I work at the computer, which is how I'm going to justify how I have massages on the calendar every six weeks or so. I have to remind myself like this is self-care. This is important. Some people do this for fun. You're going to be a disaster. If you don't go, you won't be able to feel your left hand. So I kind of had to reorganize my day to like scoot out the door to do that. Um, and then I ended up with half an hour free time before I picked my kids up from school. So I was literally sitting in a parking lot reading my book because right now I'm getting ready for all the summer reading yeah. uh, season stuff we do on Modern Mrs. Darcy. And then that my the core of my workday usually ends at three. But since I did have that massage that cut into it, I came home. And when everybody was happily, um, we finally had a gorgeous day for once. So the kids yeah, were like, so did we. And yeah, running around the yard with the dog, I could finish a blog post that I had not gotten to during the day. Oh, dinner, books, okay. bed, lots of reading. I do a lot of reading in the evenings. Okay. Uh, so that's when I can fit it in. And also sometimes in the two o'clock hour, if I'm home, because that is when my brain stops working. Yes. So yeah. Nothing good happens between two and three that I am like actively producing. So that's a good time for me to take in information that someone else has created. Yeah. And it's so good to be self-aware of that because it helps you to structure, structure your time better. So well, really that self-awareness was a long time coming, but yeah. I got it. That's yeah. good. So it's not a typical day, but I'm looking at my calendar for the week and it was all weird. Yeah. Well, and somehow some- how it goes. Sometimes, yeah, our days are more atypical than anything. It's just kind of having those general rhythms that help guide things. So I think even that is informative. So how much reading, though, I was talking about this with Sarah when I talked to her earlier this week because she said she read 400 books to write her book, which was mind-boggling to me. (laughs) So how much reading do you do for the Summer Reading Guide? Ooh, I do a lot. Well, I'm sure of that. But how much is it? <laughs> um, you know, my husband was telling me last night about how he's tracking his books this year. Mm-hmm. He's writing down the number of pages he's read. And oh, I thought, wow. oh, man, I wish I was doing that. Because when I read for the summer reading guide, I don't write down a book in my book journal if I don't get past page 10. Okay. And sometimes I, well... My favorite thing to do is find those those books that are really, really amazing that have not like that are not getting buzzed about, that are not getting mm-hmm. the attention they deserve in yeah. the media, like whether that's like on Publishers Weekly or NPR or whether that's on Goodreads or people's blogs. Like I love, love, love finding those and advocating for those books. Mm-hmm. But that means that I need to read um, a lot. Yeah, a lot of books. And sometimes I can tell right away, like, okay, this could be really good, but it's not, it's not right for what I'm looking for right now, or the tone is wrong, or it would require like way too many caveats for me to talk about. Like if the content is really like hard or dark or difficult or, um, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. So do you find that you go back to those books though, that you think like this could be a good book, but it doesn't suit these needs? I go back to a lot of them because okay. in the spring, in the winter and spring, I'm reading to find those books for our summer reading mm-hmm. coverage. So I start a lot of books that I don't get terribly far in. And then I start a lot of books that I, I will read a hundred pages. So that is in my yeah. reading. Journal. But I think it's several hundred every year that I take a look at, but that okay. gets a start uh, yeah. usually in December is when we really start um, putting the list together or planning out what I 
what I want to read. And yeah. I can't get my hands on everything in advance that I would like to, mm-hmm. but I, I now can a lot of it just because of our history with the sure. summer reading guide. Um, yeah, I bet. So, so now I'm at the point where I'm just furiously trying to read. I have, a, I have a list that I could release tomorrow, but I just keep reading, like keep looking for the diamonds in the rough, yeah. um, which is the wrong, exactly. Um, just like swapping books in and out so I can get the absolute best list I can to share with everyone. That's and I'll be so talking cool. about the other books like all summer long or on the podcast. Sure. I mean, because... Well, they become your summer reading when you have to return to the ones that you really did want to read, but they weren't right for it. They really do. They yeah. really do. And readers have such diverse tastes that it's very rare that there's a book that no one will like. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. So when does that reading guide come out? It comes out the middle of May. Okay. So right around when this episode's going to be going live. Well, it'll probably be out by the time this goes live because this comes out May 30th. So... Yeah, everybody go yeah, get it'll, your summer It'll be out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wait with bated breath. <laughs> year. I can't wait. Paw through all the pages. It's so fun. Yeah, well, oh. it's after what feels like a really long winter. It's, yeah. it's almost May. Yeah. Yeah, yep. Well, it's so fun. That's a really good jumping off place. I mean, like I told you, we're, we're doing reading in the patreon group in june and like and just learning in general and using that as self-care and how that is valuable it keeps our minds awake it helps us to be able to have i think more interesting conversations with our kids and just people around us but if women have kind of been stalled in their reading life for a while or they want to be getting more out of it what would be your best tips for them Ooh, that's a really good question something i've only recently come to understand is that people who have vibrant reading lives have done that by developing a set of skills, uh, sometimes consciously, but so many of us who have been reading like uninterrupted since we were kids have done it so naturally, so gradually over time. We don't even realize that we have this special skill set that allows us to have a great reading life. So I think it throws a lot of people off when they're, you know, in their twenties or thirties, they're like, um, what are these people getting that I'm not? Cause I'm just not, I don't, Am I not doing it right? Um, So that's been really interesting for me to discover. Um, I think it can change too. I think especially with motherhood, because I know I was so much more of a reader until I had not even just one kid, but two, three, four. (laughs) That's when it started like, oh, how do I find time for this? It was really not until I started having to do a lot more reading for my podcast and stuff that it kind of reawoke in that. That's probably not even a word, but it, <laughs> it reignited that yes, yeah. in my life and allowed me to be like, oh yeah, I loved reading. I need to draw that back into my life. And I had to be more intentional about it at first, but yeah, what can we draw from those of you who just never had those lulls? Right. Well, well, I think you can learn a lot from people who have and hear how they came yeah, true. back. True. Um, so what you're saying about motherhood, I think that's a strong, uh, not quite extreme, but that's a serious example of something a lot of us have experienced. Like yeah. if we're used to working out or we're used to eating a healthy breakfast, but then we get sick for a few days and we're off routine. Yeah. Sometimes when we get well again, we have a hard time getting back on that routine because it's been broken. Yeah. And so any kind of change of seasons or change in like work habits or home habits or even daylight savings can throw us off our 
normal rhythm. And if we don't deliberately recalibrate, um, then a lot of time can go by with us not even realizing what we're missing. And I think that happens to a lot of people with their reading life. Okay, so a big thing to do, and we've talked about it already, is figure out what you like to read. And I think that is easier said than done. And I'm not saying that you should only read books that you naturally gravitate towards and you should never stretch yourself. But to to get excited about reading, um, you need a home base, like the kind of genre that you know, or, you know, category or topic or whatever that, you know, reliably makes you think, huh, like this was a great way to spend an hour with a cup of tea on a Sunday afternoon. You can push yourself from there, but if you don't have a home base, where you know, you're happy, it's going to be really hard to, um, to branch out from there because you have to start with some known quantity and this is it. So really you have to be like kind of a, detective can I say you need to go like on Nancy Drew on your bookshelves or your Kindle or just think back about the books that you really loved in your past and think okay what do these have in common and it's probably not going to be something like camping stories although it might be Uh, but like what we talk about on the podcast is that it's hard to recommend read likes because when people really love a book it's not that they just want to read the same book over and over again like they don't want to read 14 different novels about people who fell in love in Malta during World War II. Like that wasn't the thing that captured them. It was the way the story they was told or the way the characters felt like they could be friends or the way they were just like hanging on the edge of their seat going like, are you going to be all right? My new character friend on the page, what is going to happen to you? You know, it's the emotional experience or or the like the mental uh, puzzle that you got to unlock way more than well, it was a story about a boy and a man on a road who met a dog, you know, like yeah, those aren't the yeah. plot details that matter. Um, yeah, I totally so, agree with that. And yeah. I think that it's almost like you have to do your own, like, like you did for, or you do for your summer reading list. You kind of got to do that for yourself and be willing to put some books down that you realize, okay, I'm, I'm going to read my 10 pages, give this a shot. If it's not getting me to that point where I'd rather read it than watch Netflix or whatever, then this may not be the book that really locks me in to get me back into this reading habit. Right. And when I'm not reading for summer reading, uh, like I give stuff way more than 10 pages, but that's yeah. like, I'm looking for something very specific. But I'm so, just thinking like, if you're yeah. just trying to break back into like making that a routine, be a little ruthless with something that will actually draw you in. Do you think that maybe? I don't How I don't how long are you going to give it? I don't, I don't know. know. Like I firmly I firmly believe that if a book isn't working for you, it is fine to put it down. But but if you're trying to overcome like an Instagram habit and you're trying yeah. to make yourself I mean, just how about how about yes, I am great with that. You can do that with my blessing not like you needed it. If you pick up another book instead and not Instagram Can we say that? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'm not saying turn to Netflix, but I'm just saying find something that you really like to kind of get you back into that habit. Yes. Because what we're trying to do, I mean, like we want to find the sweet spot where you would rather read that book than watch TV. Yeah. 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 And then I think a lot of people just have time to read and like anything else, a lot of us need to plan that instead of thinking like, oh, well, if I'm not too tired. Yeah. When I go to bed after I finish everything in the world I need to do. Um, Cause that yeah. can be a dangerous place. And I think something that's helped me a lot. And I know it's helped a lot of our listeners is to, to fit reading into our lives during times when our 
mental energy is low. Mm -hmm. Cause something that a lot of us tend to do is like push through the fatigue and keep like trying to work or keep doing our email Mm -hmm. or keep, you know, making yeah. phone calls, basically not taking breaks. Um, we really need a mental health care break, or you're talking about self-care, self-care yeah. a lot, um, with your people and reading can be such a great form of self-care. Like just in yes. five or 10 minutes, you can like step back, take a few minutes for yourself, do something that feels really, um, pleasingly slow mm-hmm. and deliberate and restorative and then go back into your life. But like, yeah, Something some people have done is set a timer. You know, I said that two is my horrible hour, two to three. But for some people, it's like 4.15. So I have a friend who has a timer go off on her phone every day at 4.15 when she tends to be at home. And she just like sits 10 minutes in the chair at 4.15. And because she's she's made time to read. Yeah. Yeah. I think that as I mean, I love holding a real book in my hands. But in my recent life situation, a Kindle has just been easier for me. And I do say I really like when I can see like the percentage mark tick up. (laughs) Sometimes it's like, okay, I'm not going to put it down until I get to this specific percentage mark because then I feel like, okay, I've done it. I've devoted more than 1% (laughs) to this book, you know, and really I'm making progress on it. And when I was first getting back into my reading habit, I think Goodreads was really helpful for that in the same way. Like I could see progress being made. I was actually doing what I had set out to do, which was read more. Yes. And that's really motivating for a lot of people. Well, I also wanted to hit on because I think a lot of us are wanting to get more out of our reading lives. And you talk about like bullet journaling with reading and that sort of thing. And so how do you think women who are maybe have their reading life more established, but just want to get more out of it? How can that be worked into their life easily? Sure. I think one of the best things you can do is track your reading. When you're trying to identify your taste, when you're trying to decide what to read next, if you're trying to have a more varied reading life, if you're trying to branch out into different authors or genres or nationality, um, our brains aren't always reliable memory keepers for all this information, um, without my reading journal, I think, cause I keep mine in my bullet journal just cause I almost always have my bullet journal with me and I found that to be most effective for me. Um, I'm not blessed with that natural organization thing. So for some people who are more methodical about keeping themselves organized, a separate journal may make more sense. So I just want you to know I'm being descriptive, not like prescriptive here, Yeah, but Without my journal, I'd be able to tell you maybe like a fourth of the books I read in the past month because I know I've read some good stuff, but it might not be on like the tip of my tongue or at the top of my mind. I need a visual cue, whether it's my actual bookshelves or because I do read so much on my Kindle or from the library, I just like to have that list all in one place. And it really helps us to go back and see like, oh, you know what? I really liked that. Or, oh, you know what? Like I haven't read a book written by a woman since November. That's very interesting. But we, yeah. those are patterns that we might not realize. Did we not see it in print? Yeah, absolutely. So do you just, you do more than just keep track of the books though, correct? Do you do? It depends on what the purpose is. So okay. I always, no matter what I read, um, except for that less than 10 pages, although I do, I'm taking pictures of those. So they are restored somewhere. I just didn't want to fill up my bullet journal list too fast, but now at this yeah. point in the year, I'm kind of regretting that, that that's the decision I have made. So maybe yeah. I'll go back and I'll like transcribe it over from all that's the photos. Funny. But I, I always write down the book, the format and the dates okay. and then super simple. I just put a little star by anything I really loved that probably goes up by like one of every 10 or 20 books. Okay, wow. So 
I can look back and see like what I read on Audible, what I really enjoyed. Sometimes I do make notes if I'm afraid I'm not going to remember, but mm-hmm. um, not always. And probably more not always right there. I mean, I don't, I don't not necessarily. Take really? Yeah. So nonfiction, I may make notes like, uh, you know, this idea, this quote, try this thing, look up this resource. But um, I really think in like metaphors and analogies. So if I'm reading a book, I'm like, oh my gosh, this reminds me so much of like, if, what was it recently? I'm like, okay, if, if the Tom Cruise movie Minority Report in the Hitchcock film Rear Window had a love child, it would be this book. I'm like, I'm oh. never going to remember that later. I just need to write that down yeah, right now. Yeah. Oh, well, that's fun. That's a good Or I'll write down things like, Mackenzie told me to read this when we talked, just so I can remember where it came from, mm. where the recommendation came from. Because I always find myself wondering yeah. later, how did I find this book? Yeah. But at the time, I think, oh, I'll remember. That'll be fine. I never remember. So that's why I write it down. Yeah. I have a friend, Missy Winkler. She's got a whole blog on, it's called Simplified Organization. And so she talks all about ubiquitous capture. Like we just have to, our brains aren't meant to hold all of it. We have to just write it down or our brains get heavy, like trying to remember all of it and they get fatigued. And so if we just write it down, then we don't have to worry about it anymore. It's not lingering in our heads. Yes. I love Misty. She is one smart cookie and I find that to be a very real thing. Yeah. I love it. Well, I think that's a good place to wrap up. Thank you so much for all of your valuable information about reading. It was just so fun. So are you willing to tell us what how you're currently cultivating loveliness in your life? Sure. I'm doing it a little bit tangibly and a little bit in my mind. Okay. So tangibly, everything is blooming or promising yes. to bloom soon. So I am usually I buy my Trader Joe's bouquet every time I'm there. Yes. Like four to seven dollars makes me happy all week long. Totally yep. worth it to me. Totally. Um, but now I'm cutting all the branches from my yard and bringing them in. And I'm also making friends with the neighbors who have red buds and magnolias when I don't like, Hey, Hey bachelor guy with the trees that you probably don't even notice. I mean, you know, maybe he does. He says he doesn't though. So I'm not just projecting on him because he's a man. Um, do you mind if I like come over with my clippers? He's like, have at it. Go for it. So I get to meet my neighbors and also bring lovely blooming things into my house. That is really nice. And also I have recently started doing these 6am classes outside my house as opposed to like doing yoga video, you know, like you have to get up and leave the house. Yeah. Um, So it is a commitment, but before I do my three pesky emails, I've taken the time to actually do some like contemplative, often spiritual reading first thing in the morning with Mm -hmm. my coffee, which is a habit I had fallen out of. And that's just such a really lovely way to start the day, just in a place of like focus centered on something I want to focus on, uh, breathing calmly, not reacting to emergencies. Yeah. It's been really, it's been really nice. Yeah. There's seriously something to say for that. That sounds like a really, a nice way to start your day, especially if you're going to go and work out and get your butt kicked afterward. (laughs) Yep. Yep. That's, you've captured it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, the way I am cultivating loveliness right now, it kind of goes along with yours. Like, oh, the weather is changing finally. Oh my goodness. It's been cold and rainy and awful for so long. It just felt like the longest winter. And so now that it's getting warmer, about six months ago, well, when this airs, it'll be almost eight months, which is crazy. But we moved into the heart of our city. We had lived on 12 acres before, and now we're living right downtown. 
And at first, it was a little bit of a shock to the system. But as we're coming into spring and summer, I'm actually really loving it because we can literally walk out our front door and either head across to the park. They're actually putting in a new restaurant and a little coffee shop, like just kitty corner from us across the park. They're putting, or they have a brand new grocery store that's only been open for like a year that we can walk, you know, six blocks and be at the grocery store and all of these little shops. And I'm realizing, I think I kind of, when I was younger, I used to want to move to a big city or live that kind of city life. And while this won't be the case, we're going to be moving at some point, hopefully over the summer. But for right now, I'm really loving it in a way that I never expected that I would. Just like the buzz of the people and being around all of it and looking forward to taking advantage of it more is super exciting. Just yesterday was the first day that it was warm enough that the kids and my mom and I, we just walked down to the grocery store and sat outside and ate a cookie and looked at the river and the city and it just felt like that energy of being around people. I looked at my mom and was like, I could I could move to New York. Like I'm pretty sure I could handle it. <laughs> like I'm in very it's still not a big city. I'm in a, a town. But still I feel like I just love it so much more than I thought I would. So that's fun. That sounds delightful. I want to come check it out right now. Yeah. It it really what like just because it's right on the river and everything, it was yeah. It was pretty magical. I put it, it was just an Insta story. So it's long gone by now, but just like, look at this. It's just lovely. And people are riding their bikes. I even got a bike and I haven't ridden a bike in, I don't know, <laughs> 20 years. My, my one son, he's turning 12 and he said to my mom, like, we should put the bike trailer on mom's bike. Cause my dad has one. And my mom was like, your mom has to learn how to ride a bike again. <laughs> like, she, she has no business pulling a bike trailer with your sisters in it. Let's get her started here first. So, but yeah, we're just really looking forward to, to taking advantage of this kind of city life for the first time. So it's fun. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Are you ready for my stock questions? I am ready. Okay. Candles or essential oil diffuser? Candles. Okay. But it's hard. Yes. I know. Okay. Cloth napkins or paper? Oh, cloth with somebody else washing them. Yes. Amen. I'd use them more too if that was the case. Okay. City or country? City. Paper or digital? Paper. Shopping. Would you rather do it online or in the store? Oh, never. Okay. But if you had to? Oh, in the store, I guess. All right. It's for Because returns are the worst. Yeah. Oh, return. I will just end up keeping things. Because I hate returning them, period. Yep. Okay. It's four o'clock or whatever time you're making dinner and you need a mental break. Do you listen to a podcast or to music? Podcast. Okay. If I'm by myself, music okay. if I'm not. Okay. And what are some of your favorite podcasts to listen to? I really liked Making Oprah, so Making Obama just automatically downloaded to my phone from the Chicago radio people. I'm super excited to listen to that. Okay. I like From the Front Porch. I like Pantsuit Politics. I like, um, oh, I like NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour. Okay. And, wow, it's I have so many on my phone, it's hard to pick just a I few. I know. I like Sarah's Read Aloud Revival. Yes. I, oh, and I, okay, my final one, I love Off Camera with Sam Jones. Yeah. Where he interviews tons of people from Hollywood, which is, I mean, I, we, I never see movies. I know nothing, <laughs> but I love hearing how, how people make things. Yeah. How they approach their work in ways that just blow my mind. And I think that his 
interviews for the most part. I mean, they're so different than what you would see of these same people if they were on, you know, The Tonight Show or whatever. It's just they're so much more real and not just trying to, like, sell whatever show they were recently in or whatever, which is interesting. Right. I feel like it's not just talking points. Yeah. There's more authenticity. Yeah. Okay. Chocolate. Milk or dark? Dark. Okay. Sports or no sports? Sports. Live broadcasting. Would you rather broadcast or watch? Um, watch. Okay. What is your favorite movie? Casablanca. Ooh, good one. Okay. Where would you put yourself on the crunchiness spectrum if zero is totally not crunchy and 10 is like singing Kumbaya by the fire with your legs unshaven and dreadlocks in your hair? Six. Okay. That's, that is the most common answer. (laughs) (laughs) no matter how crunchy or uncrunchy people are most of them say six so i love that all right well thank you so much for coming on the show it was a true delight to get to talk with you it was my pleasure thank you for having me all right thanks Well, I hope that that episode gave you guys some bookish inspiration leading into our month of June in the Patreon community where we're talking a lot about reading and learning and how important those things are to us as moms and women. If you want to get links to Anne's summer reading guide and all the other fun things that we talked about on the show, then make sure you hop over to this episode's show notes that you can find at boldturquoise.com forward slash 067. Other than that, I hope to see you in the Facebook group and of course in the Patreon community. You can find that at patreon.com forward slash cultivating the lovely be sure to tune in over there in the patreon community for this friday's episode of what ingrid and fiona like where we will also be talking about why we think learning and reading are so important and what it's looked like at different times in our lives and what we're trying to learn right now so if you want to hop over there and listen to that we would love to have you okay ladies until next week when i'm back with dr sandra dalton smith talking about her book sacred rest which also happens to be our book club book for patreon this summer but until then Go be bold and gracious.